Hello and welcome to the Weekly Reboot, your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. This week we're bringing you an experience report fresh from Spark the Change conference, an engaging conference centred on purpose and meaning at work, which I was lucky enough to attend on Friday the 13th. I caught up with Tony in his car while we were driving around between meetings this week to talk about it. Hello Tony. Hi, how are you going? Good. Welcome to the I'm, weekly reboot again. How yes, are you? I'm good. I'm back on the podcast this week. Back on the podcast. Um, but this week it's not right. all about me. It is not. It is about me and it is about my visit to Spark the Change conference that I went to on Friday. So I thought I'd give you a bit of a rundown so you could get the feel of what went on there. Sounds um, good. It was the first time I went to Spark the Change a conference that is put on by Tabar. It was held at RMIT, uh, the Story Hall room, which is where they do first conference as well. So it's a nice little venue for a conference. It's a great big room. It is a great big room. It wasn't a huge crowd, I have to say. I think there was about, I'm going to say about 70, maybe 80 people there. It's, um, I think it's the fourth year they've run it. Adrian Fidelani was the MC. He was great. Very uh, entertaining. It's good. Haven't seen Fitter in a while. Uh, nice to see him out MCing. He was in good form. So the, the conference is for the whole organisation, um, which made for a nice diverse audience, not just tech people, not just agile people. And it's devoted to making your company a dynamic, happy place to work, from delivering fast innovation to growing high-performance teams through inspiring leadership and increased purpose and meaning for those that work there. So that's kind of vibe of um, what they're all about. So the, the speakers, the format is just kind of like one keynote speaker after the other. And there was a couple of other nice touches. So at the end of each um, section before morning tea and lunch, there was a little bit of uh, bit of a debrief from a guy called Richard who uh, is at Liminal, where we just sort of did a bit of a technique and I've got a canvas here that we went through for, you know, what are our takeaways, what might we do differently. So the whole idea is that it's a conference that might spark a change in you and you would take something from it and back into your workplace or back into your life. It improves the lives of everyone. Yeah, so quite a nice mandate there. So tell me, who did you see? Okay, so first up was someone called Rebecca Tapp. She is a consultant who works at a place called Future Crunch. She's a director, apparently. Um, she also has a podcast called Decoding Purpose, which I haven't listened to yet. And she talked about purpose in an age where kind of you have the power. Um, they're anyway a team of scientists and members, but maybe I think most of all they're a consultancy of keynote speakers. She encouraged us to ask ourselves a question, who am I becoming? And about understanding micro-influence and micro-influences and social media and that kind of thing and our, what is our own niche influence. What else did she reference? She talked about Ikigai mm -hmm. and the book. What, the Ikigai book or? The Ikigai approach and then, then there's an Ikigai book as well. Oh, not familiar with that. Yeah. I am an Ikigai, but yeah. not a book. It was one of those talks that, you know, she was a very kind of dynamic speaker. I think someone who'd probably been coached as a speaker 
rather than anything else. She had this like really whizzy video at the start of, with music and figures and things like that. So it was kind of like visually quite pleasing. So it had some good ideas in it, but it was kind of lost in the volume. There was like it was a bit of story salad, really. There was a lot of things in there, but maybe it was a bit too dense to get across. So that was Rebecca Tap. Next up was a, a woman called Mel Flanagan. She's the creative director of an agency called Nook Studios, um, a researcher and storyteller. And she's a designer of open government information services so, and an advocate for making kind of government data open and shared, which was quite interesting. She worked with government, the New South Wales government. They had a design problem and they created a web service called Common Ground that brings data together from many different sources. So a little interesting fact for you, it was 1018 before the word Agile was even mentioned. Nice. And that was mentioned in her talk. Yeah, so it was lots of talk about how to, I guess, experimentally use data, bring it together, tell a story. So she had quite a good set of infographics about, you know, how making data open and transparent to you know voters and the people that live in our communities can help them make better decisions about yep. government services so it was great not you know revolutionary or inspiring but it was like nice kind of practical ways that we can use i guess her approaches which would be uh, hcd design thinking type agency ways of working to do that yeah um, test and learn creating story maps on top of data she also talked about the Ukraine a little bit and said that the Ukraine is the darling of open government um, and it was because they're in that, that sort of eastern bloc but they couldn't fight the corruption of Russia so what they did instead is you know create this kind of concept of open data and open government. So I no, thought that was kind of interesting and I know that Ukraine has a great reputation for their, their tech but I didn't really ever connect the dots as to why that would be so I thought mm. that was interesting. Yep, and then after that was our first little session from Richard from Liminal where he did this um, canvas about unlocking some takeaways from that session. So then we did a bit of group sharing around the table about what we've, what we've got out of it so far, which was kind of okay, but it was a little bit too early in the day to really have too many takeaways, I think. Right. But the technique he was using was appreciative inquiry technique, so I'll try and find a link to that. But it did spark a bit of reflection and one thing I did notice, I've written down here as an insight for myself, is that I think because we, for what we do, we see a lot of models and, you know, I think the four Ds came up um, yeah. and you, you can get a bit of model fatigue and yes. framework fatigue, you know, uh, another model, another five questions we should think about, it, it sort of like becomes a little bit too much, just noticing that about myself. Um, and there's always a new one. They're always better than the old ones, even though the old ones, if you apply them well, hmm. can be great. Yeah. Um, next up was... So then we went to morning tea. Morning tea is always good because you get to talk to people that you might know. Interesting, the makeup, though, was very diverse in terms of not too many of the usual agile faces, but some. It's good to get a diverse uh, group of people together to at a conference. Yeah. Um, you get so many unexpected perspectives on things and learning from different different areas of the culture of the workplaces. 
next up was Conscious Capitalism, which I think you will like, which is a person called Victoria Flaxen. She is an advocate and ambassador for women in leadership and conscious capitalism. She co-founded Trusted Negotiator and for three years has been deputy chair and board of director for Conscious Capitalism Australia. So essentially they exist to do good for the world through business. So it builds on the foundations of capitalism and voluntary exchange, entrepreneurship, competition, freedom to trade and the rule of law. So basically it doesn't it doesn't say capitalism is bad, okay, we should stop doing it because it's melting our planet. Um, it's more about how can we use the goodness of capitalism to do things that are good for the world. What sorts of things did she talk about? Well, she talked about that business can and should be done with a higher purpose in mind, not just with a view to maximising profits. She talked, though, about that there are problems and that 49% of people are pessimistic about the future. That's wow. Sad, isn't it? You know, she really wanted to explore this idea of is conscious capitalism ideology possible? And then she just shared with us a whole bunch of examples of different organisations that uh, were working with conscious capitalism and one of the things we heard later in the day was about companies becoming B Corps. Yep. One of them is a travel company called, uh, it'll come up again in a minute. With that 49% of people being pessimistic about the future, is that their own future or the future of the world? Or I think that was a bit of a general, you know, internet sourced metric. Yep. <laughs> find them find the metrics anywhere to yeah I yeah, really wish I'd written won't. down the source of that because it, it could possibly have been from a peer review studied but it was a great talk of my first bit of inspo for the day I think really next up was a guy called Peter West he's a lecturer in media and communications at RMIT University now this I got really excited about he is an advocate for reconciliation. Good. He's a white guy, so I really loved it because it connected, I think, all of us whiteies in the crowd to the idea that we could actually do something more to engage with reconciliation, mm-hmm. appreciate the, you know, the land we're living in and um, living off but also not in that way where sometimes you feel like that you don't really want to engage because how dare you as a white person anyway. So it was kind of mm. great in that he had done all this work to understand his roots and where he had come from. His partner, he's a, um, a gay man married to uh, an Indigenous person as well. Yep. So he's got somewhat of a, you know, I guess unique oh, insight yeah. into that Better world. perspective than most. Yeah, and um, I just think... It, he sort of also did a lengthy, at the very start of the conference, he did a lengthy Welcome to Country, which was a lot more informative than your normal Welcome to Country, which mm-hmm. is just honouring the, you know, the elders and the inhabitants of land, past, present and future, whereas his was more about, let me show you a map of this land and tell you a little bit about this country and the people that came from this country. And I found it quite engaging anyway. And I, did you know what Welcome to Country came from? No, I don't actually. Well, I didn't. I, I did before this talk, though, but I heard it in a podcast somewhere. It's actually about, you know, if you were an Aboriginal group and you're on the land, mm-hmm. 
then it's not like they have walls or borders or they people come to seek permission to enter your part of the land. So what the normal practice is, is that people come to the land or just stay on the outskirts of where that border is, which yep. is, you know, not known... It's not, from defined, it's not yeah. an ordinance map kind of edge or anything like that. So they come to your land and hang out on, on near the edges of it. And then someone from the land would go to that group once they were made aware that the group was there and welcome them to come in... Their land. To take part in their land. To yep. say, well, you know, this is how we run things around here. These are our practices. You know, this is you know, where we get water, whatever. Nice. What, what's your kind of business in coming to our land? What are you here for? And that's how the exchange originally took place. So that's when you do work to country. What you're doing yeah. is, is is kind of negotiating with this is this is our area. You're welcome. State your purpose and declare what your interest is. So anyway, that's kind of interesting. It's and there were two phrases. It's yeah, a positive it is. Approach to and it's just yeah. I know. I'm like I'm giving you the, like the brief cliff notes here. Yeah, in, of course. In podcast briefness, but. It, it really makes you think this is a more inspiring way for people to interact with each other than shoving up a wall, um, stopping the boats, mm. putting people in detention centres and telling them that they're illegal. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we could all behave a bit more like that? Anyway, a couple of phrases I wrote down. Woman Jekka roughly is always translated to welcome. So when you see everyone shortcut their little bit of... Um, cultural indigenousness they put up woman jecker and say welcome but it actually translates to what is your purpose right um and then another one is bun i'm gonna say it wrong bungee bungee giddy and that phrase is usually following straight after woman jecker and that translates to what is it we can share oh that's nice isn't it nice yeah so anyway he was a bit of a reader of his his talk in some ways but he was super engaging in what he was saying in the content and he also had a reflection that his kids knew more about the origins of welcome to country and what it meant and what it was for than he did so we're almost the generation tony that skipped over that knowledge my indigenous education at school was pretty minimal i think i don't think i got a heck of a lot no but i think our kids get heaps more so ben peacock was up next Yep, and he is the founder of a organisation called Republic of Everyone. Now he's essentially a advertising guy, I think, or a marketer, marketing consultant by trade. But he's done these awesome things, and he had a goal. So hang on, let me just read out what he is officially. Ben is making it his life's work to bring the two together, which is sustainability and creativity through strategy, ideas, and a little bit of adventurous spirit. So he's the Sustainability Agency Republic of Everyone founder. And he co-founded the multi-award winning, which you might have heard about, Garage Sale Trail. Have you heard of this? No. Where thousands of people have a garage sale at the same day. And so far, 500,000 people have partaken in that little adventure. So what he tries to do is kind of like create these big initiatives that have social impact, but also... Uh, some kind of economic positive impact as well. Powerful pieces of writing that can change the the world. And his little model was write, unite, fight. So write, expose the problem, fight, build on any um, movements that are out there and kind of fight for the good, but also unite. So create a shared solution together so that don't just protest everything, Mm -hmm. but actually create something that's for mutual benefit for both sides. 
yeah he's created like things like ads for the greens campaigns cool. and the garage sale trail was really great it was the idea of kind of uniting the problem of everyone having too much stuff mm. um, and buying too much stuff and too much stuff ending up in landfill but the fact that if we could share it with each other or um, well, you know swap and trade and garage sale it you know it's for the individual good but also for the common good yeah you get more reuse rather than just throwing things away yeah um, and the, then there was a Q&A that Rebecca Tapp, who was the, the, the first keynote speaker, facilitated. And I thought the good question that this guy got asked was, how do you help not... Because there was a lot of people in the crowd that were from not-for-profits. Right. And so we had a lot of questions that, that came almost from a point of frustration, I think, from those companies about how do we help our organisations not shun the idea of being commercial. And his answer was, you have to be hyper-commercial otherwise that you'll get um, struck out of your P&L one yep. day because someone will eventually go, oh, we need to save money. Where can we save money? Here's this thing that's not making money. Let's um, strike it out. He's also talked about, you know, you have to know what is your right to play. You know, where is the mutual intersection of what you do as an organisation intersect with what is good for um, the world and what also will people pay for so it's a little bit icky guy as well in that way um so but so you have to understand you know what does your customer care about and what will they get involved in to help you and your mission so for example we couldn't suddenly get involved in i don't know say something that's really not at all in our sweet spot Uh, petrochemical creation yeah because it's that the customers that are help are in engaging us to help them define new ways of working and unlock high performance in teams aren't necessarily going to be able to equate that for something that we do for petrochemical companies. Mm. Kind of makes sense. Up next was lunch and we'll cut now to some Vox Pops that I recorded from some of the people in the break. Hi Lisa, are you busy? Oh, hello, how are hold, you? I'm just going to hold this in front of you. How are you going? Oh, how's, really good. How's Spark going today? Spark is brilliant, as usual. Yeah. Fabulous lineup. You know, we're just having a wonderful day. I think it's going really well. In fact, it's great because we're at, we've got so many questions on the floor, we can't even get around to them. So there's a lot of participation, just not enough time. Yeah, definitely. The speakers are really good. Yeah. Um, who's been your favourite so far? Do you actually get a chance I, to? Well, Ben, I was the only, the only one I really had time to actually sit and listen to is Ben Peacock, and I thought it was really exciting. Oh, he was a really good. great presenter. Really relaxed, but just a really, you know, down-to-earth story. Yeah, and yeah. those ads. I know. The ads and the... Um, yeah, the um, the garage sale ideal. How brilliant is that? Yeah, great. That's awesome. Yeah, one for yeah. all the environmentalists yeah. in the crowd. How are you today, Peter? I'm good. Yeah. Good to see you, as always. How are you enjoying the conference so far? I really like it. Yeah. I, like, you know, I think this is probably my third Spark the Change, at least. Isn't it? Really yeah, good. so I love tapping into this uh, conversation and mm. seeing it evolve and getting a you know positive boost on yeah. people that see the world in, a, in the right way. And in some ways, it's, I guess it's different for us for, to be in a different kind of community as well. Yeah. So one that's not all full of um, agilists. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. I think it's yeah, a bit more of an open community in some ways. Do yeah. I mean that? What do I mean? I mean more random, diverse, maybe. Yeah. And in some ways, it feels like the tone is we're asking more questions here than 
offering ways of doing and yeah, being. It's more like you know, it's an open, yeah, more of an open mind and, and bigger issues in a way yes. that we're that we're facing into. Mm, yeah. And um, who have you liked so far? Uh, I've liked them all. I've um, enjoyed meeting Mel and the, all the uh, open government um, transparency type stuff. I'm, you, Yes. On the podcast, you can't see my, my random hacks of kindness well, t-shirt. You can promo it, random yeah. hacks of kindness. There's one coming up, isn't there? Oh, it comes up, yeah, every year in, uh, in October. Uh, it's, um, summer and winter, so roughly uh, July and December. Right. Um, yeah, it's when we break, but uh, yeah, so, you know, rock isn't um, as focused on the civic sector as, say, GovHack is, but still that idea of helping not for profits and whatnot, um, you know help serve their, their people better using tech um, but yeah that whole idea of uh, you know making the government information processes more transparent such incredible um, impact that could be had by yeah. doing that I was telling about when I met her this morning I had my first little taste of um, working with a government organisation earlier this year we put in a um, uh, proposal via their digital marketplace which is a very bizarre procurement um, process compared to what we're used to in the commercial world, which is lots of conversation mm. and the strong partnership mentality versus submit an RFP. Hey, magic, you got the job. Mm. But then it was actually quite a challenging environment mm. um, to bring what I think we take for granted working in agile and product type environments to somewhere where they're, they're all about the waterfall. Um, yeah, right. So, Very invested in it. Yeah, and it's just, I was. Uh, where yeah. do you even start? You're like having oh. conversations that are like 15 year old conversations in some ways. Pretty much, but you know, it gave me an, an appreciation of how hard it is, like all their procurement processes and all the stage gates mm. um, and the vendors that had been in there and the state the tech was in. It was just like, I don't even know how to start unpicking this. Um, you know, whereas yeah. working in the big commercial yeah, sort of environments. Like, tell me how to make money, let's go. Yeah, and, and you got the resources <laughs> to, to do it and, and the people that sort of can hear what you're saying. So, yeah. yeah Did you get respect. it? The, the, the work, well, I'm ashamed to say, but we were engaged to, re- to write a requirements document. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, surely it's not going to end like this, but it ended like that. Oh, I was dear. like, oh, wow, like you a, a time war. Some, sometimes those things come back. And sometimes they do. And it was a, yeah. And hopefully, yeah, we... You know, we, we, we did some good stuff in there in terms of user research and whatnot. So, you yeah. know, hopefully the, the seed, yeah. um, you know, germinates some, you know, new way of thinking. But um, it's definitely eye-opening. But um, but there's good people like, you know, Mel, who we heard today. And I'm um, speaking to some folks recently from Code for Australia who, Hi. like, you heard about them? No, tell me. So, they're, yeah, really cool um, group and they put people like on a fellowship into a government um, department yeah. so it's sort of sort of aiming at people to take a sabbatical say for six months and yeah. you get a uh, you know a subsistence kind of wage to get get you by but you get planted in some government area and you don't work for the government but you, you're there to help them and um, coach them from within um, sort of That's as a consultant cool. really yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've met some people doing that and it's um, a pretty inspiring way of being able to get in there and make a change mm. from within so if you can afford it I guess sorry if you can afford it yeah yeah but you know I think I guess I met people in our line of work who you know how long do you stay on the on the treadmill and in delivery you know I think often people are seeking 
mm. um, some different perspective or maybe to work at another level mm. um, without wanting to step out of the industry altogether. <laughs> so mm. interesting. I heard an interesting stat yesterday which was that there's more part-time workers than ever before in Australia. Yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe that thing that they said in the 70s about computers would give us more leisure time and <laughs> um, less yeah, hours in the office is finally coming true. So, yeah. yeah. Well, People certainly more flexibility, that. more fluidity, I think. You yeah. know, it's just, yeah, everything's possible. Mm. Great combo. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you for the podcast. I, oh. I, I love it. I love it. I, um, Listen to that, I've just finished um, <laughs> reading, I'm telling everyone about this book, um, Creating Intelligent Teams, which um, I had Rowan Bunning talking about on, oh. on your podcast uh, nice, uh, quite a while ago. What so, a nice clapback. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank Excellent. You. Well, we'll get you on as a guest one day, Peter. Okay, cool. That would be awesome. All right. Enjoy the rest of the day. Cool, thank you. I'll come back and talk to you later, too. <laughs> G'day, Alex. How are you going? Sorry, Jeremy. you know Jeremy? Yeah. G'day. We just met, and yeah, so this is the we're... second time I've interrupted Jeremy's conversation. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> Interrupter. This is what you get when you're the queen of agile content in Melbourne. Uh, no. Right. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> But I know that lunch is going to end soon, so I thought I'd better zip around and record some box pops. So yeah, you're yeah, emceeing the conference today, Adrian. Very yes. entertaining so far. Thank yeah, you for that. Yeah, it's been really good morning. It's I noticed you got an appreciation on the board too. Have you seen that? Well, I think Ed was trying to get the, the ball rolling <laughs> with, it, the with an appreciation happening. on the board, really. Yeah, yeah it's really good. The conference is um, it's always good. The speaker lineup here is is always awesome and um, it's, no, yeah, it's no different this year. I'm yeah. looking forward to the end of the afternoon now. A lot of inspo, isn't there? And a lot of... Uh... Yeah, there is, yeah. But as I said, you know, as, uh, as I said in the address opening up this morning, I, I think Spark is trying to be something different, trying to give, um, trying to put a great focus on what you take away from the conference and what you enact as, a, as, a, as an attendee and a participant in the day, not just what you're inspired by, but what you actually do when you take a step out the front door and, you, and you're back into your office. What are you doing with the stuff you learned here? So the stuff about the letter to yourself. And the, yeah, so and tell promises. me about that because I'm, I'm sitting next to Ringo today mm. and apparently he he started that His idea, last was it? Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about what it... Well, what I, I, you know me for a long time, Alex, and, and I'm, I'm constantly on about what, what do I... I just don't want to come. I want to know when I attend a conference. I want something I can take away and do, because it was it was very much a, a part of what I I felt the early my early attendance in agile conferences was about. I could take some practices and not only be inspired by what those practices represented, but I could actually do some stuff in my office tomorrow. So I got a lot of tips and things that I could actually take away and do tomorrow. Um, and then over time, I found that lots of conferences don't do that so much. They um, uh, they inspire on and the day, they, and then yeah. you go back to work. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and all I, I got, yeah, rather than yeah, I like a bit of both in my day, but uh, in my conferences. But this one's about come here, be inspired, sure. But these speakers should give you something that you can take away and do tomorrow um, or next week or whatever. So the point is, we we're asking people, we're putting it on people here today to say, write it down. What are you going to do? Not what are you going to? Not what did you like? Not not what did you appreciate? But what are you going to do? Mm. Write that on a bit of paper and give it to me, and I'll mail it to you in six weeks to remind you that you promised yourself you'd do something. Yeah, isn't it brilliant? And what about you? What's your note to self? Note to future Adrian. My note to self. Oh. I think it's meetups actually. Um, yeah, right. I uh, haven't been uh, attending many meetups lately in the last mm. 12 months or so, and coming out into an environment like this reminds you that shit. Yeah, this is the, this is what this is where you get it from. Yeah. You get your energy from. You get your um, you see your mates and you and you get those little tips from that you that you do enact. So you better get out the front door, fitter, and get out to an, a meetup or two. Well, while I've got you here, we're doing one. I mean, Edo um, so, uh, Edo Shaughnessy. Yeah. In a month or two, which is a leaders roundtable. 
Nice. So we did it at last conference. So I'm after leaders. Right so on. you might find well, if yourself. If I bump into any, I'll let you know, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you consider yourself tapped on the shoulder. So it'll right. be good to have you at that one. No too. worries. Cool. Lovely chatting to you. Great. Thanks. Hope I'll you have leave a great you to day. do your work. Get some more good quotes. Bye-bye. Sorry, Jeremy, for interrupting you again. Would you like to say something on the podcast? Tell me about your podcast. Oh, so um, so we're called the Weekly Reboot. Yeah. Your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne yeah, cool. and beyond. So, um, yeah, so in part, it's just like a bit of an agile gossip conference. Or what conferences are going, uh, gossip podcast, what conferences are going on, who's saying what, what's happening at what companies. Um, and then we do interviews. So um, I have interviewed Adrian before. Yeah. So we just do kind of whole episodes where we just interview so someone. It's, it's really amazing, isn't it? Like there's circles and circles. And like Melbourne's not a big place. No. But, um, and I have walked in the agile circles for a while but it's been a while yeah but I'm just like agency like if you're not out there and you're not talking to people kind of stuff grows yeah in these different circles yeah I'm just just unaware yeah Um, so whereabouts are you and what do you do I'm in Melbourne yeah Uh, I'm a designer uh, and I work with Meld Studios Uh, we're a human centered design consultancy wonderful and a lot of the I mean the reason why I'm here today is because we work with places where purpose is important, but it's not always front and centre, um, and places where it is kind of a larger part of their business model, it's not always we're not always able to work with them yeah. because of scale and budgets. Yeah, and so I'm, they get you into do something quite specific, or they so they get your scope kind of quite tight. Well, yeah, and, and so like I'm I'm kind of keen to think about how can you expand scope and permission when you might come in for something that's quite tactical or sort of, you know, transactional mm. and think about how you can include purpose in that conversation. Mm. Um, it's a huge part of all of the things that we just heard about, you know, employee value proposition in particular, yep. um, and retention and culture and stuff like that. And so, like, when you think about designing organisations, um, as a lot of our work is now doing, then how do you bring purpose into those kinds of conversations when it may not have a place at the table yet. Yeah. yeah. And what are you seeing? Do you think that organisations are collectively getting more, a bit more woke in that area? <laughs> Do you like my, you say woke? my young speak? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, was it the Stay Woke Bitches? Yeah. Um, that Obama deep fake, have you seen that? Oh, did, he oh actually, did they fake that? Yeah, yeah, oh, brilliant. It's, it's, it's fa- fabulous. Um, but the, so the, um, Yes, and just like me, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm almost 50. If I start to try and talk in a way that is um, inauthentic, yeah, it, it can kind of come across really quickly, right? And so one of the challenges we see in organizations is that they have trouble making purpose an authentic part of the way that they talk about what they do, why they're doing stuff, things like that. And so um, a lot of it's because of ways of working. Ways and agile is a big deal here, right? You know, like so that shift into agile is uh, almost a political awakening in terms of power and how sort of things get decided. In the same way, human centered design shares a lot in common there. And so, for us, when we see organizations sort of fumbling, say, with ideas like purpose or uh, engagement with customers, for instance, um, it can be useful to help them kind of re engage 
with those practices of how do you kind of learn from people, how do you uh, make decisions differently, and it can help them to be more authentic when they then bring things like purpose to the table. Yeah, because you can kind of <laughs> if you try to talk about it really uh, in a way when you're not practiced, with it, you can sort of lose a lot of capital, yeah, political right. capital, and ability to change. Yeah. What about Excellent you though? Journey. I mean, are you, are you doing this kind of thing as well? Like, um, so yeah, we we help organisations change. Um, we is oh, Reboot Co. So we're a small consultancy yeah. here in Melbourne. I do a bit of work in Sydney, and yeah, we help organisations be better by helping them co-design new ways of working that work better for them. Um, we, we dabble in a bit of um, design thinking stuff. Um, we say that we're experts in any way, but what we try and do with commonly software teams is help them connect with the customer better through using those techniques and and help them understand that it's not just the realm of the UXR or custom insights people, that we can all have better understanding of our customer and, and bring that kind of empathy into what we build. Because yeah, totally. Agile got really good for you know a couple of decades at building the wrong thing really quickly. <laughs> get that train going and it goes really fast yeah yeah and, in the yeah, right if you right the wrong stuff yeah, yeah correct yeah. so yeah. We, so I wouldn't say um, yeah we're in no way um, experts at that but it would be it would be rude of us to ignore that that stuff totally. so yeah it would be yeah. Yeah. yeah so I see them all bidding hand in glove I think they were they were first kind of mushed together hand in glove probably with Lean Startup yeah. Um, but yeah you, you see a lot more of it now yeah, not not so much at the corporate. So we're working with corporate clients. So it's mm-hmm. kind of news to them. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah, mm. there's this whole so there's a, a part of what we, we're doing, which is around sort of this capability. You know, it sounds kind of similar there. Um, and some of it draws from education. So I had this background here. I used to work here yeah, right. a ago. But then, how do you kind of bring, how do you codify some of these techniques so that people can? Not necessarily become designers, but at least uh, be able to work well with people who are working in that level of ambiguity and uh, processes. That's all good. It was lovely talking to you. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you. Okay, back from break. And then we had um, someone called Zandi Fell, and she is a person who specializes in conflict resolution her and her husband do um she had a nice little model for conflict resolution um and a nice little kind of four quadrant area about how to have conversations um we did a couple of great little exercises well one of them was just to talk and i happened to be sitting next to ringo so it was a really good way of making what she was talking about real and I reflected that I really actually like talks where people engage you by giving you mm. some kind of job to do in the crowd rather than just talking at you and flashing your lovely, lovely visuals yeah. at you. Imagine what it would be like at their house with their children. I know. They must have well-behaved kids. If you specialise in conflict resolution, yeah. I've spent the weekend with my kids just going nuts at each other, just fighting and arguing the whole time. Yeah, let me... It would be, be useful to me... <laughs> Um, I think I've got a photo of that quadrant. So, okay, so the quadrants are active, active constructive, passive constructive, active destructive, and passive destructive. So Mm. different ways of engaging conversations, and we actually got to try it out with the people next to us, which was kind of fun. So active constructive is, you know, someone tells you something and you go, amazing, how did that happen? 
Whereas um, passive constructive is just someone says, that's great, but us, yeah. no, no more. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, active destructive or passive destructive, which seems like it would be the worst thing to engage in, wasn't perceived as badly as passive constructive. Because active destructive was actually, at least you're engaging. Okay. So she was pretty good. After that was a very interesting talk by someone called Dr. Augustin Chavez. And he walked from Melbourne to Sydney to see... What, and then back again to get to the conference? Well, no. Like he... Some kind of ridiculous number of million steps. But basically it was about trying to see if he could continually seek what makes us human and design workplaces around that. So he was kind of trying to empty out his life and his brain from all kinds of stimulus to see in if if I created complete boredom, which walking from Melbourne to Sydney is, <laughs> what would kind of pop into my head? And his reflection is boredom lets you reach places you wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. And you can use boredom as creativity to design better workplaces for the future. And... So- that's really interesting because oh, it was interesting. As, it sounds crazy. As kids, I remember the you came up with the best ideas when you were bored. T- super dude, yeah. And yes, yeah. And what do we do with our kids now? We shove exciting devices in front of them all the time, and mm. they don't get bored. Anyway, his final closing remarks was: absurdity was a you know a key human element. The ability to do something random but with purpose. Awesome. Yeah, it was kind of awesome. Next up was Charlie Simpson. And she was a consultant who purely works on organisational culture. So she did a couple of things that was super cool. Uh, one is a trick that I'm going to use in big planning session in a couple of weeks. Which, But she also talked about, you know, building trust and how important it was. She talked about the Dunbar coefficient, mm-hmm. you know, that importance of existing around small teams, which we kind of know and love. But also when you have these big populations of people it becomes more and more challenging to have real trust with them and therefore to unlock performance. And she had us walk around the room together and have a conversation with someone next to us, which I did, next to this lovely guy from the NBN, actually. Mm -hmm. And it really was a much more engaging way to have a conversation than to sit still at the table and talk to them or to imagine that you, you know, sitting opposite them in a meeting room or something, talking to them. Sorry, run. what was the format? You had to walk around. So we all got into pairs and we did a big old circle around the room having a chat until we got back to our table. While walking, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was good. Surprisingly good. You wouldn't think that that would... But I think it's also, you know, you're in a room sitting down with people for a long time and you've done a bit of work on yourself and filling out these canvases as you go. Mm. It's kind of like a relief to get up and do something different almost when you're sort of sitting watching talks and concentrating for so long. So that was awesome. Um, It's also helpful if you're, you know, not a, or if you're a kinetic thinker, mm. for example. Oh, but the other point for this one was that tribally we're travellers. Right, and as you travel together as a group, mm-hmm. you build trust because you're kind of going through this journey together. Yeah. So you know you get on a train together, you have a bit of it, and you know, like if you go travelling with people, you do form these really strong bonds. Yeah. And so her point was that you know travelling together builds trust. So let's travel now around the room and yes. see if we feel more engaged with the person that we're talking to. Interesting. It was interesting. Even if it's just to walk around the room. Nice simple idea, right? But. I mean, imagine how you can take that into your workplace. Like, mm. instead of sitting in a room with someone to have you one-on-one, let's walk out and stand in a coffee queue together. There's something about standing next to each other, not kind of confronting face. each other face-to-face. Yeah. 
Um, so there's all these kind of natural animalistic human things as well that came into it. So I thought she was really good. Then there was a fireside chat, a person called Angel Dixon. She was the winner of Young Australian of the Year. She's an advocacy advocacy person for people with disabilities. She has a disability herself, so she came on with a walking stick, but she's normally in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, she had a couple of great insights. One was that just the unconscious bias that is in the... You know how sometimes you go to a, an office building and there's a big wheelchair accessible button... Yep. Um, to open the the door for for wheelchair users, and she said that you know there's so much unconscious bias in that button. First of all, what if you're a blind person? You know, there's no um, they're not in a wheelchair, but they have to find this button and press it to open the door. Mm. She said that you know what if you're a you're a pram user and you've got a kid, you you're still you're also pushing the wheelchair button to use the door. All of these things around that simple idea of what someone's installed thinking they're making the building more accessible, but really they're confronting these people with disabilities with their, you know, how the world isn't designed for them all the time. She said how much more inclusive that design would be if it was just a door that could sense people were there and opened for them. Yeah, or if, if the entry was at street level or there was ramps that were you know, very gentle ramps for everyone to use rather mm. than um, segregating. So, right, yeah, so suddenly, you know, with her on stage answering those questions, you're suddenly seeing the world through her eyes. So I thought that was really a valuable way to hear, hear her story. The next guy was from Intrepid, who are a really impressive organisation, and his role was Chief Purpose Officer. And he talked about... Intrepid and how they'd grown and about, you know, what it takes to be a purpose-driven organisation and they have become a B Corp or are becoming a B Corp. Um, I was reading about this the other day. I just can't remember why. There was a couple of also examples of where they had failed and learned through failure. So one of them was they stopped elephant rides in 2014 when um, they realised that for people to ride elephants they had to go through a whole lot of, you know, destructive quite cruel training so they realized that was oh. a mistake and the other thing they stopped was they stopped orphanage tours and helped an industry-wide shift away from people touring for orphanages because it created all these terrible behaviors like people mm. giving up their children to go to orphanages to make money and, and and that kind of thing and they had a little quote which was you know kids aren't tourist attractions and then finally a guy called adam mccurdy and he started humanitics which is the company we bought our tickets from. And, you know, let us know, for example, that through our ticket purchase, we contributed to four girls being put through high school just by buying tickets to that event. Wow. Yeah, because they're much... Very low effort with a good outcome. Yeah, because they're a not-for-profit, so they're much cheaper. They take a much less cut of the price than another ticket seller, and then the, the profits are passed on to good causes. So they partner with other people who have good causes to support, and make sure that, you know, so if you, if we were to ticket an event, we would choose um, who we wanted to benefit from that event and ticket money would go to that purpose. That's great. It is so great. That's humanitics. Yeah. Awesome. He was interesting in that he didn't have any slides at all, just talked through his story, um, talked through, um, you know, partnering with big companies in order to make that the idea that they knew was a great idea work. Um they had a funny fail story where they partnered with a clairvoyant and sold tickets to her event. So she was jacking. She was on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. I can't remember her surname, but it took down their site because they sold 
10,000 tickets in like a matter of minutes. And he said, you know, she was a clairvoyant, so she probably could, should have known that that was going to happen. Ha <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Anyway, um, that was just a bit of a funny story. But yeah, they're, they're able to take 25% lower fees than other ticket sellers, and that, but also pass on a, um, a profit to these companies. So I thought that was quite a good business. That's great. He also, this is a nice way to end for us, Tony, he talked about the value of teaming up with a friend as a co-founder. Ah. Because, you know, it's much better to do it with someone else. Um, you know, you have to be on, be in it for thick or thin, but you also have to kind of hold on to some mutual purpose yeah. together. Yes, I can't imagine uh, trying to run a company by myself. No. It'd be terrifying. Yeah, there's so much good that you get from doing it with someone else but also someone who you've got some kind of um, established trust with already i guess that is important when you share a bank account (laughs) cool all right well i'll leave it there i I thought it was a great conference in terms of value for money it's actually one conference is a bit hard to tell how much you pay for it because they have all these kind of pay different payment options on the page like if you're a student group you can get a, a particular price so that's a bit of feedback to ed i guess but i think it is a good conference it did definitely spark Heaps. I mean, you can see on my pages how many times I've written down a light bulb, which means every one of those is an idea and a good few little tips and tricks as well. Definitely. What's, what would you say is your number one takeout? Um, my number one takeout, Tony. Oh, the other thing we did was we wrote a letter to ourselves that they send to you in six to eight weeks. Cool. So that is a great take out because you you know sometimes you go to conferences and you're inspired and I like I always write down lots of notes and sometimes you forget a few weeks later um so I think this, it's a really good way of reminding you a bunch of weeks later hey you were inspired to write all of this maybe you should act on that yeah so I think that was good in that I think my my number one takeout is giving the audience a job to do creates for a more engaging um and inspiring talk so we had lots of little jobs to do. We had we took part in a few interactive things. Otherwise, sitting through a day of keynotes, I think, is quite heavy. Yeah. So giving you a job to do, I think, is really important. And that you can inspire people through through those good stories to, yeah, to prompt a bit of a change. To spark the change. Correct. So, yeah, definitely recommended. Thanks. And I just wanted to say before we go, may as well do it now instead of editing it later, we're going to have a little break. We're about to go into school holidays. So we're going to take two weeks off and spend time with our families and we'll be back in your ears again. We'll be back in your ears again on October the 11th. The weekly reboot is your regular Friday debrief of things we've heard and seen coming from the Agile community here in Melbourne and beyond. See you again on the 11th of October. Bye.